this is Kristen. And I'm Keonse. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the, the Crafted, Crafted Podcast. Podcast. Well, it's another week, another podcast episode. And we want to say thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us. Yes, thank you. We appreciate you guys. So how's your, your week been, babe? What's, what's your week check-in like? My week check-in has been good. I just got off a Thanksgiving break, so I'm mm-hmm. kind of refreshed. But I'm sick, as you guys could probably hear. So, you know, you're going to hear some nasally in the podcast today. But other than being sick, my week has been um, pretty good. I honestly can't complain. Um, busy at work still. Busy with these kids that's making me fight for my life daily. And, you know, I just feel like once you're at a certain level in life or or you're a certain age in life, I feel like life is just, it's a lot of busyness, you know? It just Man. really is. It's just a lot of, okay, gotta get up, gotta do this, gotta make this money, gotta do this, gotta do that, you know? And so, I am feeling that the pressures of a working mom, you know, and wife, so... Yeah, and I, I feel like that's the that's the most interesting part about life because especially like being parents too and being married, like life does become monotonous, like where we just kinda wake up, rent wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, you know what I mean? And you try your best to kind of just carve out like those little times that deviate from the monotony part of life. Um, but man, sometimes it just be hard because you just be stuck in like the busy funnel but you know it's very imperative that you you know at least a weekend or when you get time like the holidays time like you just had right now like you know this this whole week off um that you just carve out some time to to deviate from the norm yeah my i don't know i don't feel like my life is ever monotonous honestly i mean even though i do a lot of the same things i don't know my life doesn't feel monotonous ever well you carve, I don't, you carve I, out you deviate from the norm yeah, and so you I don't hang know. out with your friends. I don't you... feel like just you know you were saying like wash, rinse, repeat. I never feel like that. You know, I feel like uh, my life is exciting, and even though I'm busy and I have a good routine, I like the routine honestly. So the routines make me feel safe, mm. and so it also I guess it just might depend on the person as well. But well, I do think it's important to carve out time for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think people look at monotonous as a bad word, but it's just the definition definition it's like the same it's like the same kind of loop and we kind of go in the same loop we wake up we get the kids ready we go to work on you know certain days we take them to, to jujitsu after school after we get off work we come home we try to spend that little two hours you know together before we go to sleep and then we wake up and do it again um throughout the week but i mean that's well, technically According to the dictionary, of course, I had to look it up because uh-huh. I'm like, hold on, monotonous definitely has a negative under- undertone to it because it is ne- negative. So it's considered dull, tedious, repetitious, lacking in variety and interest. So oh, it's okay. supposed to be boring and repetitive. That's well, what I'm monotonous the repetitious is. part. So you're just repetitious, not monotonous. Listen, I'm a stickler for the English language and vocabulary. And I want words to be defined properly, so that's why I had to look it up. Mm-hmm. Had to. But yes. Yeah, but yeah, it's like so. It's just a lot of it's a lot of repetition. Um. So is your life monotonous or is it? Well, rep- no. Yeah, I feel like I feel like on or is our, it repetitive? 
No, no. I feel like during our, I feel like our normal routine throughout the week, I think it's very monotonous. While I do enjoy going to work and, you know, the job that I have, I think there's a difference between, like, things being monotonous and then, like, still being grateful. Because you can still, you can still be grateful even in the monotony. Like, I love the fact that, you know, I'm at the job that I have. Um, I love the fact that our kids are in a great school. We know that they're in a good school, that they're protected, and that they're learning or whatnot. But yeah, it's just very, it's just very repetitive during the week. But then, like during the weekend, that's when we kind of carve out, like, um, or we deviate from the norm, and we're at a party or something like that. Me and you, we do our day nights once a month. Like I say, you, you, you go out like with your, you know, you have your school psychologist girls that you're going out with um, every now and then. And so we find things to kind of throw a wrench in that monotony that, you know, I think brings more excitement or brings like an outside look. And my that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, to just what what the norm what the normalcy is. Yeah, and my opinion does differ. So I just feel like yeah, I mean, I don't feel like my life is ever monotonous because I like to throw creativity in my life during the week. I throw creativity in my life, you know, all throughout the day, honestly. Like, instead of working on a report at work sometimes, like just working nonstop, I will get up and I'll go for a walk. I'll go visit different teachers. I'll go to different classrooms. I'll go talk with the principal or, you know, one of the special ed teachers. And so I literally carve out time for my day to not be repetitive and um and boring and dull and then at home even even though like I we do the same things every week and we have the same routine with our kids I try to do special things for them as well like some days I'm like okay let's cancel reading guys let's do a movie or you know the other day I went and I brought Josie McDonald's to school and so I that was just different you know what I mean mm-hmm. I brought her McDonald's after school um I do special baths for the kids and and then for myself today, I usually would uh, go to lunch or whatever, but I skipped my lunch today at work and I drove myself to Lucille's and I had my dinner. I had lunch by myself and it was great. The food wasn't good, but, you know, it was great mm. to do that. And so I think that if you feel like your life is monotonous, even during the week, then it is your responsibility to figure out what you can do to make your life not feel boring or dull and I just say that because you know we only have one life to live like you know like and so many things could happen in life you know and you know we take a lot of things for granted our kids health our own health our husband Mm -hmm. and wife's health and all those kind of things and I try to live every day almost like it was my last day or almost like my life would suddenly be changing and so I don't know. I don't like to, that's why, you know, I was kind of making a big, like, you know, a discussion about it because I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like life should feel monotonous for anybody. I feel like you should find the spark for life and you should find the drive for life. And then if people feel like their life is monotonous too long, like six months, (laughs) Mm -hmm. then that's called depression. So, you know. If you're feeling like that for six months, not you, but Mm -hmm. in general, our listeners, if you're feeling like that for longer than six months, then I definitely suggest that you go seek help, talk to a therapist, exercise, do something that is different because, you know, mental health does truly matter.
Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, you see, and also I just think that I just think that there's different seasons for everything, and I think that you know for the last like you know four four months or so, like we just been in the busy season, you know, of just the kids starting school back, you starting a new a job in a new location. Um, you know, there was a shakeup at my job, like where the whole like kind of executive branch and management and all that stuff changed. Um, and yeah, I just feel like everything's just been real busy. But I feel like coming yes, on the coming on the sure. cusp. I think coming on the cusp of the new year. I think that's when you know things have started to change. Um, I, I know at least for me, even now. So because man, before Thanksgiving, like bro, we were just so busy and slammed at work. And it was just deadline after deadline after deadline or whatnot. Now I kind of have like a little bit of wiggle room or kind of like a a calm moment, if that makes sense. Um, And some of the projects that I have to bring forward. So, but yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into our let's get deep question of the day. And today's let's get deep question is who was your first celebrity crush? My first celebrity crush. Do you know who my first celebrity crush is? Do you remember? Mm, <laughs> Lil Zane. Who? Lil Zane. I don't know who that is. Girl, my how do you know who Lil Zane is? You already know. I don't know who any celebrity is, really. Okay. My first celebrity crush was Lloyd Banks. That was your first. No, I mean, like, your first celebrity crush. Like That your was first... my first celebrity crush. So you didn't like any of the kids from like Disney Channel when you were when Absolutely you were a not. Kid. I didn't like boys until I was like fourteen or thirteen. Oh, okay. And I remember I remember this was my first celebrity crush because we had to make a PowerPoint about um, somebody and I made this whole PowerPoint about Lloyd Banks and that was my first little crush. And you know it's so funny, I remember like when I was younger, all the girls were into the B2K guys, and I just was like, never found the allure or anything. And so, like, you know, girls would be talking about it, and like, oh, this one, this one, and I just used to be like, kind of standing aside, like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. But anyways, yeah, so Lloyd Banks was my first celebrity crush. I was a late bloomer, okay? Oh, yeah, that was really late, because Lloyd Banks didn't hop on a scene until 20, 20, 2003, 2004 Yeah, I was about 13 or 14. Yeah. I remember vividly. Dang. Oh my gosh. That's interesting. Listen, we can't all That's be- why I said Lil Zane. Like Lil Zane was around like the ninety-eight, like he was the he was in the generation of like the ninety-eight to two thousands. Like eight year olds don't have no <laughs> business having no crush. I just feel like that's crazy to me. Well, I mean, oh I guess. It's just me though. Yeah, I guess. I gotta look up what So who was your first celebrity crush? Um well for me I need to look up exactly what the dates are because I have two that come to my remembrance of like, I was like, oh, I was really on this person. But I need to know which one came first. First, my all-time great is Kelly Rowland. Like, I've always been a Kelly Rowland fan. So it's either her or this is going to be very left field. It's going to be the girl that played Xenon from the Disney movie. I thought you were going to say Topanga from Boy Meets World. Uh, I watched Boy Meets World, but I wasn't like, I wasn't on it like that. She was cute. Matter of fact, present day, now that she's like a grown and mom, she's an actual sneakerhead or whatnot. Like, I follow her and like, she got like some exclusive like sneakers. She's a sneakerhead. Good for Which her. is interesting. Tell her to give me a pair. Um, but yeah, whoever the actress is that plays Xenon, Zoom, 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 Made My Heart Go Boom, Boom, My Supernova Girl, that was it for me. 
That's hilarious. That was my one. Her, her and Kelly Rowland. So you were down with the swirl, huh? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was like, who is this? My That's milk so and magnesia. <laughs> that is so funny. All right. Moving on to our next section. Random fact of the day. Um, speaking of celebrities... I always try to, well, not, well, that's funny. I didn't even try to tie that in. But for the past, like, two, for the past two um, icebreakers or the past two Let's Get Deep questions, they've been kind of tying in with the random fact that I want to present, which I found find interesting. Anyway, our <laughs> random fact of the day today is going to be dealing with celebrity names. Okay. Okay. And so there's a person that we all know. He's a well-known actor. Last name Washington. What's his first name? Denzel. Denzel. There we go. Glad you corrected yourself. So the random fact of the day is that Denzel Washington's actual name, the way that it's supposed to be properly pronounced, is not Denzel, like we've all been saying over the years. It's actually Denzel. So he's actually Denzel Washington. But with that, I have another, I have a bunch of other celebrities who are uh who have names that we've been pronouncing wrong the whole time. So going back to Disney Channel. So um, who else? Who so else? okay, going back to Disney Channel, we have That's So Raven. So do you know who the main actress what her name is in that one? Raven Simone. Okay. We've been calling her Raven Simone. Is it Raven this... Simone? No, it's Raven Simone Ye. That's how Where's you pronounce the Simone it. Ye? Where's well, the Ye? At the end of her at the end of her name, the Simone at like the Y the S Y at the end of her name where the E is, it has an accent at the end of it. And it's actually pronounced Simone. I hate that. Keontae. Yeah, like he, <laughs> like my name. Yeah, my name has an my name has an actual accent at the top of it. Uh, these parents are so creative, okay, aren't they? Okay, so yeah, so we got Raven Simone, who is actually Raven Simone. Okay. <laughs> Y'all must be from French. All right. France. Okay, okay, now speaking of the going going across the pond, there's a specific singer that we all love. And she's doing a residency in Las Vegas right now that everybody's trying to get tickets to. Do you know who it is? Adele. Okay. So we all call her Adele, right? Adelie. No, her Adelie. name. Well, this one's kind of funny because it's kind of the same thing. But her name is actually pronounced uh and Dale. Like uh, the, Dale. Like Adele. the man's name, like a man's name, Dale. Adele. So it's U-H-D-A-L-E. Adele, but we call her Adele. Like, I knew a kid named Sadale. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Sadale, like Adele. So, okay, I got another one for you. Rihanna, the singer. Okay. We all know her as Rihanna. Her name is actually pronounced Rihanna. Yeah. Robin Rihanna. That's her real name. Interesting. <laughs> And then for our last one, this one threw me for a loop because I was like, she just let people call her this and that's not her real name. And now we all just know her by this. Do you know who John Legend's wife is? Uh, I forgot her name. Well, we all call her Chrissy Teigen. Oh, yeah. Her actual, the way you pronounce her actual last name, though, is not Teigen. It's Tigen. Tigen? Like bow tie. So it's Chrissy Tigen. Is it spelled T E I or T E E? It's spelled T E I G E N. Oh, G E N or G A N? G E N. Oh, 
So and, I guess that does say Tiger. Yeah, yeah. But she just put out a video uh, on Instagram, and she was just like, you know, I want to, I need to live in my truth. And it was just a funny video she put out. But she was actually, you know, given the pronounce the correct pronunciation of her name. She should just be Chrissy Legend. Yeah, his real last name is not Legend, is it? Um, I forget what John Legend's uh, name is. I don't think. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's Legend. Oh, okay. But you know, like these celebrities, they'll be married, and then, like their official names are. You know, they'll have their marriage names, but, you know, since they're celebrities and already have, they're already brands themselves, they just kind of keep, you know, their brand moniker, per se. So, but there you have it. Denzel Washington and Raven Simone. That's so interesting. Shin in a marriage. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about, you know, it's kind of like a random topic, you know. And when that comes to mind, a lot of things may come, or when that is said, a lot of things may come to mind. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about specifically like women's ambition versus men's ambition. And so I feel like there is a discrepancy between the men and the women these days. And I just want to ask you, especially these times. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you, what's up with the men? Like what's up with the brothers? Give to be quite insight. honest, I don't know. Like, let's well, hypothesize. Why are why are the why are the women out here the most educated, oh, especially that, black that women? They are the most educated women, are the most educated group in all of America. That they are, and these men just is regular. Um, I mean, I don't know for sure. Like, I don't know really like the statistics behind it, but. Um, yeah, I, I just think with the emergence, I think that women are kind of really hitting their stride, you know what I mean? Like in this, at this junction in like society and American society, you know, you started off with the Ruth Bader Ginsburg's, you know, the Shirley Chisholm's of the world, um, you know, 50 years ago, you know, and if you don't know who those people are, you should really look them up. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she was a Supreme Court justice. Shirley Chisholm was actually the first woman to run for president. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it took women like that to really step out and, like, just do, like, what they did was kind of like the, was not even kind of, was the first of their kind. They were pioneers. Yeah, they were very, they were pioneers. And it was just kind of like, whoa, you know, like women is really doing it. But even when you think about today, like there are st- women are still hitting like first or first markers. You know what I mean? Where women are now becoming like, oh, the first like woman CEO of a Fortune 500 company or the first woman to lead this or do X, Y and Z. Yeah. Um, and so I think that women starting standing on those shoulders of pioneers are now really truly beginning to hit their stride where they're more independent minded and really like and they're just like in a very great innovation stage if that makes sense okay um and so that's that's really my theory well i have well it's two ways in my theories that's the first part of my theory is that like women have kind of like gained this fire you know especially you i, I want to ask you like with you growing up and being in your thirties now, like who were like some of the women that you saw just just like man, like they really doing it? That kind of that kind of inspires you to say like, dang, if they if she did it, I can do it too. My sister, 
I don't, I don't, you know, I'm a different type of person. I'm like well, the like wrong person. I'm the wrong person to ask that to okay, because well, I'll give... I don't, I don't look at celebrities and think that. I don't think that about anybody. Like, you know, unless I see you personally, I'm not thinking that about you. Like, you know, and so it's literally my sister uh-huh. is the person, my, my dad, you know, my mom. No, no, I said the women. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just, it, it would just be my mom and my sister. Like, well, those I'll, are people that I'll I would throw think. Women, I'll throw some women out for you. I'm talking about like. No, you ain't got to throw women out for me. Throw them out for you. <laughs> no, no, no. These are women that, these are women that you like. These are women that you like, oh man, these are like women like Michelle Obama, like Oprah. Okay, but I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I can't wait to be Michelle Obama. Oh, I can't wait well, to be like Oprah. Well, it's not, not necessarily like growing up, like you got to be five and like aspire to be her but <clears throat> it's more so the fact like in your lifetime you're seeing these women like these women are becoming like especially in society standards and american society standards like kind of like larger than life like they're just they're about their business they're they're being themselves you know what i mean That's and true. they have like a sense of just independence like I'm, i can do this on my own like you know what i mean i don't have to I don't have to wait on anybody to tell me what I can do. I'm going to go out there and get it. Like, yeah. you know, like Oprah starting her whole production and and TV company. Like, she didn't wait for somebody to hand her out something. Like, she went out there and got the ball rolling and went out there and went and go, got, went, went out there and went and got, go get it. Dang, yeah. I, I'm getting tongue-tied. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I am um, inspired by them. And a lot of the things they do are just so amazing. And I would love to meet Oprah and Michelle Obama. And the thing that inspires me about Oprah is how giving she is. Is That's what really inspires me regarding her. And then with Michelle Obama, what inspires me is that she's like refuses to be defined because her husband is the president. She is who she is, period. Mm-hmm. And so that's what really inspires me about her. I do enjoy reading a lot of books about different, um, you know, women who have overcame certain odds whatever the odds may have been and so you know i think that is truly interesting but my question still is what's up with the men yeah you answered what's good with the women but what's up with the men yeah okay so yeah so that's the women part that's the woman part of it and then now when it comes to the men part this is the part i really haven't figured out but um i just think there's just a lack of like there's just the lack of a pool of actual good men, like like dictionary textbook men, like I'm going to be a great father, I'm going to be a great husband, a great provider, especially for people in my generation, to really pull from. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, because... That's good. You know, like the dads of our generation and the, you know, the men of our generation, we're growing up in the number one the like i said the pool of the men like that they aren't like the 50s men they aren't like the 60s men where you have the martins the medgar evers the malcolm x's the muhammad ali's you know that was all in the 60s they was cheating too <laughs> well i mean i mean which is so scandalous <clears throat> you know you can't have it all you gotta have a you get a unicorn if you get a successful man <laughs> I mean, and a provider <clears throat> and a good parent and an ambitious man i mean that's literally a unicorn you only get a couple of things <laughs> well yeah i mean but i mean we saw my ambition i wasn't talking about like right. lies well, you and said infidelity. a provider and and all that good stuff and the good parents and all that stuff so i just figured you know a faithful should be up in there too. Uh, I mean, yeah, it should definitely be in there. But I'm just saying, on the on the guise of like ambition, when it comes to ambition, okay. like, and then like switching from them from that generation and down to our generation, like, 
especially our generation, we grew up in the pop of just like, just famed them and like just high celebrity. So some of the men like that we're looking to, because the men that we have that are close to us isn't aren't that affirming, you know, or aren't that what's the word I'm looking for? Aren't necessarily leading by example. Okay. So especially like in our community, like we look into like the rappers, we look into like the basketball, the NBA players and stuff like that. And while some of those guys are doing great things, like LeBron is a great LeBron and Steph, like they're great role models and examples of like, you know, handling your business, being family, man, you know, building an empire, so on and so forth. But it's like kind of out of reach, you know, it's something great to look at, but like they're just so far ahead and so larger than life, like it's out of reach. And I think that the men in this generation, our generation now, they're just really suffering from like, well, I'm kind of doing my best mentality, but it's really not their best. They're just really just kind of grazing on the sky, doing the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, yeah, but I'm about to say in short, yeah, my answer is I really don't know. I really, I really don't know what's up. That's, those are my theories, you know? And like, I just talked to so many of my like male friends, luckily like my circle of friends, my circle of male friends, like, you know, they're pretty much about their business. You know what I mean? Like, they're, you know, higher ups at their perspective companies. Some of them are, have started businesses, um, you know, owning property and things of that nature. Like, they ain't no bums, but. Yeah, but bum is different than, I'm talking about, like, actual ambitions. Like, this is what I see for my future, and this is what goals I'm going to this is what I'm going to do to get there. I feel like women are really good at that in general. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I don't know if that's just a natural trait that God has given women in general, you know, to like, and I don't know if it's because we have kids. And so we just are always thinking about, you know, like how, what can I do to make life better for them? But I just think it's interesting how women have all these goals and ambitions and set, you know, put it in motion Cause one thing about my friends is they are some go getters. Okay. Like they will figure out a way to get it done. And so they say like women like that are, un. they say that independent women like that are unwifeable basically because we're too, you know, we got our stuff figured out and things like that. And husbands want you to be like so dependent and needy and all that kind of good stuff. But anyways, I just think that it's interesting, though, like how I feel like the men just aren't really keeping up with that. Mm. And so I just wanted to bring kind of like a, a taboo, you know, topic up. And so my theory, though, is that, number one, it has to do with uh, how they were raised essentially like you know just did your parents do everything for you did your parents do anything for you did you have a father you know and then I feel like it has been like like unspoken that women and mothers are hard on their girls and they kind of just are not as hard on their sons they have lower expectations and stuff like that and I feel like that comes from women having a lot of women having to be single and all that kind of good stuff and or coming from a single mom. And even when they got married, you know, and so I feel like it was a push that way in, in a sense for women to be stronger, women to figure things out. And so I don't know if maybe that has a component to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe sons were coddled or didn't have an example where as women were pushed to be successful, women were pushed to 
to do what they were supposed to do. So I don't know. I really truly don't but know. I also think too another component could be kind of what you said. Like, well, <laughs> what you said and what I said kind of go hand in hand with the statement I'm about to make, where I said like you know women are just kind of having a boom of just inspiration and and one to be successful because of what women are already doing. But then you couple that with like you know the upbringing of women being hard on their daughters and trying to breed them to be successful. And then you couple those two things with now more women are being more independent. They're getting it on their own. And will while back in the days, like that those 60s and 50s men, like those were the men that like, okay, you stay home. I'm going to just provide. All you got to do is just be here with the kids. I'm going to provide and I'm going to give this to you. Whatever you want, just let me know. I'll get it for you. Now, like I said, women are just getting it on their own. And so I think men, not all men, but the, I think the majority of men, it's almost like a intimidation for it in a sense. Like, dang, okay, she can, she can kind of get it on her own, and like, I mean, I could try. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's the problem with like even in the dating pool when I'm talking to people, like. There's not like a, a lot of commitment going around, or there's like a lot of wishy washiness, especially with women like dating men. Now it's like the men who are just kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to get into like something serious now. Like I've heard that like way too many times from too many women. I was just having a talk with my one of my coworkers today about that, about uh, you know, just the pool of men in the dating game now that like, I don't know, it's like they're just not pushing forward the boundaries of like commitment. Yeah, and women are seeing like you know I could I could be broke by my egg self. I don't need a man to be broke with. I don't need somebody to yeah. you know. It becomes almost like the relationship is you know advantageous for a man, but it's like where's the advantages for a woman at mm-hmm. the end of the day? You know what I mean? And so I guess back in the day, you know, where societal norms were, women stay home and take care of the children, and then the husband was bringing home all the money. And so I feel like it, it, it's, it's, it was a, you know, like a checks and balances kind of thing. Like, you know, she, you're getting a housekeeper and a housewife and all that good, good stuff. And then he's getting, you know, bringing home all the money. But listen, if he's bringing home that much money, honey, we need to hire a nanny, a housekeeper, all that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I just, I just thought it was interesting. Um, I did uh, think about some things that really just motivate me and my friends or whatever and basically how we come up with our own our own ambitions and our own things and so I just think it's important to set goals and achievable goals you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and discover your passions that's how I decided to become a school psychologist I literally sat and listened to podcasts for weeks and I made a list of what I was passionate about what I was good at, you know, all those kind of things. After that, I'm, I'm a big proponent for continuous learning. I love to learn. I think that there's always something you can learn from somebody. I started with videos, then I went to actual school. And even now, on any given day, you could find me listening to a podcast, reading a book, and my friends too, though. You know, I feel like most of them are like that. 
the continuous learning, mentorship. I have so many mentors at this point. I have uh, school psych mentors. I have, I don't have life mentors yet or whatever. I do have a therapist. I guess that's, that's, I don't know if that's a mentor, but I feel like she pushes me in a lot of good ways. And so I think mentorship is super important. If you're the best person at all your friends, then I mean, I don't know. That's yeah. not necessarily a good thing. And then celebrate your <clears throat> achievements. Every little small step, celebrate it. Do, you know, anything. Like, have dinner together. Me and my friends are big on that, too. Girl, you got a new job? Let's have dinner. Girl, you graduated? Let's have dinner. Girl, you got an A? Let's have dinner. My mom, too. She would literally straight up send me money for getting an A when I was in school. And I was a big old 30-year-old in school, and she sent me money <laughs> for uh, doing well. And then... um it's important to challenge your comfort zone. Like, you know, it's important to think big and, you know, you see yourself doing one thing, but I think it's important to expand your horizons. What could I do? What's more that I can do? My big dream goal right now is to open up my own school. And at first I was saying, you know, maybe like in 10 years or 15 years or when I retire, but like, the more I'm working, I'm like, man, this is achievable. I could probably do this in two, three years. I could probably do this in five years. And then why not, I was just thinking today, why not make it, uh, you know, like I was thinking of a boarding type of school thing. I'm like, what about a day program where students come and it's a day program at a boarding school? So I think it's just really important to, like, continue dreaming and having and expanding your comfort zones. And lastly, having a growth mindset. When you fail, it's okay, like... You know, you just say, I'm not there yet. You know, you always add a yet on the end mm -hmm. of your things. And so it challenges your mind to grow and to keep going. And so, you know, I'm just trying to work out on how we can inspire the next generation of little boys, our little boy, our son, and, you know, nephews and cousins and all that good stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think, like I said, I think another path to, like, especially, like, when it comes to... I guess, like, getting back to the normalcy of, like, ambition, I guess, being equalized is, I know, especially for us, you know, in our household, like, um, well, for me, like, we're, we're, we're putting our kids in experiences and programs that I was never, like, privy to or that I never had real access to, you know, whether it be a coding program, whether it be doing Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts uh, jujitsu pro, you know, jujitsu, make, having them choose what sport they want to do for the, you know what I mean? Like with me growing up and just like I said, it depends on how you're raised too. With me growing up with a single mom and me being the oldest of seven, like I wasn't able to really do a bunch of stuff or at least the things that piqued my interest when I was a kid that I could have been successful in. Like we didn't really have the funds and I don't think nor my mom had the time to really like put me in piano class, you know? when I was showing really that interest. You know, yeah, that interest early on um in life. And so I think that'll be the difference for the next generation that are that's coming up with us now, that the one the generation that we're raising is that we're kinda opening their horizons, broadening their horizons. Like I don't even remember like, you know, with our son being six, him reading books and really getting into stuff on, like, how things are building, like, becoming an engineer. I don't really remember too many kids when I was growing up saying, at his age, at six, saying, like, you know what? I want to be a mechanical engineer. We was all trying to be Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's not really a sports kid, though. He knows that's it. 
Listen, every kid has their talents, and that's not his talent. Yeah, but I mean, but yeah, but yet and still, like just at that age, even if you're not gonna be Michael Jordan, you most kids would be like, I want to be a firefighter or a, a police, police officer. Police. Yeah, kids you know what I mean. Like police. that's that's what I mean by like kind of breaking the norm. Yeah, that's true. So. That's true. Well, that is the perfect segue into our roots and bloom segment, which is our parenting segment, and so. I mean, I guess we could just piggyback off of that and then we'll go into our topic a little bit. But we really are a- allowing our kids to to experience so many things. I think that's one of the things that my my parents really did right, specifically my mom, now that I look back, because it wasn't my dad necessarily. I feel like she was pulling all the strings, kind of. But she always was able, like, she really honed in on our passions and the things that we liked. She had this community book, and she'd have a circle on the things that we wanted to do. And she would take us to all those classes. But she, at this time, she had hurt her back, and so she was at home with us um, for the most part instead of working. And so she had a lot of time to take us to all these things. But, you know, we went to so many classes. I went to a cooking class. I went to a reptile class. I went to, um, mm. like, literally, I went to, I was in a bowling league. I was on a bowling team for a while. Oh, man, I, wanna, I always went to do bowling. Oh. That was another thing I was good at, too, Lil, when I was yeah. young. My brother, my brother, Justin, he did everything. He did, he did tennis, swimming, and he was so good at sports, and I just was not really that great at sports. But anyways... She allowed us to like circle the things that we wanted to do, which was really cool and really fun. And she gave us like that creative freedom, essentially. With my kids, I mean, if I allowed them to circle what they want to do, they'd be circling some crazy stuff. Like, I don't know, like uh, Autumn would be like, I want to do baton twirling. Like, girl, no, we going to do this Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But I know the things that they love and they like, and so they always end up liking the stuff that I put them in. We noticed that August was not a soccer player, so he didn't Mm. like that, so we stopped that immediately. We tried Boy Scouts with him, and you know, but anyways, we do do, uh, allow our children to experience a lot of things, and Keontae's really good at showing them um, videos and stuff and different things that they're interested in. And I feel like I'm really good at giving them the continued learning and telling them, this is what this person does. This is what this person does. You could be this. You could do that. You could do this, you know? And so I feel like we, together, we, uh, you know, we really help to cultivate their dreams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so anyways, our topic for today is going to be, oh no, did I not have my topic up? Oh, okay. I remember what it was. Okay. So what, this is kind of a fun topic. What are the things that you said you never do as a parent? That I never do? Yeah. Like prior to parenting. Um. That you'd never do or you'd always do or, you know, things that have changed. Oh, so something that I said I never do, but I'm actually doing it? Yeah. Like, pro- yeah, oh, okay. I mean, it could be something that you never do and you aren't doing it, you know? Um, well, that's what I'm saying. I had to think about that because, yeah, there are some things I said I never do as a dad, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't done that. But things that I said I wouldn't do that I I kind of know. Yeah, yeah, you go first. Okay, so (laughs) something I said that, you know how, like, kids always be throwing themselves on the floor and stuff? Mm -hmm. I said I would never, ever, 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 ever have a kid that did that. (laughs) Mm. 
which is crazy because all of them have done that at some point. And I also like thought I was going to like be whooping my kids and tearing them up all the time. And if you were to like hit your kids, well, we're not hitting parents, first of all, anymore, at least. But if you were to hit your kids every time they do something, then it would just be like they'd be battered at this point because kids are just wild. Yeah. And they make us fight for our life on a daily basis. And so that's something I said I was going to do that I do not do. I don't be, you know, I don't really hit my kids the way I thought I was. Also, I thought that my kids were going to be 100% listening all the time. Like, I just thought, I don't know what kind of fantasy land I was living in. But I thought, like, oh, you know, you tell a kid what to do and they do it automatically. Like, no, you have to work and work and work it with these kids. You have to teach these coping skills. You got to teach this social emotional learning. You have to teach them how to deal with frustration. Like literally everything a kid knows you have to teach them. Mm -hmm. That is crazy, right? Mm -hmm. I'll say for me, I guess the thing that I just never saw myself doing really. um, Yeah. I was going to be that like authoritarian parent where, you know, I was going to try to rule with an iron fist and, you know, my kids got out of line. I'm going to put them back in line. And now here I am, you know, just taking this more, you know. Soft. Soft approach. You know, this more gentle approach. Yeah. Um, with my kids. Trying not to yell at them. You know, I kind of did. I, I, I kind of saw myself as like a drill sergeant parent. You know, like. Yeah, and we th- that was perfect, huh? <laughs> yeah, because I thought that was just like, you know. That's I how you that was the kids. man. That was the man. You know, I'm looking at. You know, I watched these the fathers on TV and the sitcoms and stuff. And while they had a gentleness to them, they also had a sternness and kind of like a drill sergeant like type of mentality. You know what I mean? Like the Uncle Phil's, the Franks on Moesha, the you know the Carl Winslows of the bunch. So, um, yeah. I also thought. Well, one of the things that we said is that we were gonna be driving our kids in the middle of the night to 7-Eleven oh, when we no. wanted a Slurpee. And we have never, not even once did that, ever. No. Maybe when they're like 10. But that's just being young and naive before even yeah, that's thinking what, of that's kids. Yeah, that's what it mostly is. Because, <laughs> you know, if you don't have kids, you truly don't know. Like, you know, you just, you're just so unrealistic. I also said that, um, that my kids were only going to eat healthy things. And we... <laughs> For a long time, though, for a long time, we were really strict on their food. Up until after the pandemic, up until we had Josie. When Josie was born, that's when we finally was like, all right, (laughs) we have three kids. Did you hear my goofy laugh? I said, (laughs) (laughs) that's so ugly. And then it was like a little whistle. Like, you can tell I'm so sick. Okay, (laughs) anyways. After we had Josie, listen, we were fighting for our lives and fighting for our sanity. So, listen, the kids had chips, all types of stuff. We were so strict to the point where they didn't have chips. Mm. Not, not at our house. We were, like, we used to pack them uh, bell peppers and cucumbers and carrots, green beans and fruit. And we were really strict on it for a long time. But as they entered into, like, elementary school, we gave it up a little bit. Partly because, you know, it's like, you know, just let them live a little bit. And partly because I remember being a kid and my parents made me only eat healthy snacks. And I used to be crawling under the desk trying to steal people's snacks. That's just ghetto. Yeah, and then I got caught uh, taking a kid's uh, 
fruit roll up and I was so freaking embarrassed and I just, I don't know, I was mortified. So anyways, I never wanted my kids to feel like they had to crawl across the floor to get a dang snack. Mm-hmm. So I try and buy them snacks that they like, you know? Yeah. I try to. Try to accommodate them. And Josie, she literally had Cheetos for breakfast one of the other days. So I'm like, listen, we never would have <laughs> did that, though, with Autumn and August. Never. But also, too, a lot of our wireframing or a lot of our, like, foundation, it comes from just our 90s upbringing. You know? Yeah, that's true. Of where it's just kind of like... Those are kind of just unwritten things. Like, you ain't going to have, we ain't having juice before dinner type deal. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. talking about like juice throughout the whole day. Like, you ain't getting juice. You can have water throughout the day. Juice is reserved for like dinner. That's like a 90s mentality type thing. Yeah. But do you think that pa- parents and us as parents, parents in general and us as parents, do you think we're going too far to the other side? No. Compared I, to our upbringing? Not or do you necess- think it's just right? I think it's just right, actually, because to be quite honest, look at us all now. Well, not all of us. I wish it was all of us, but look at some of us now. We in therapy, and we having <laughs> therapy talking about talking about our upbringings. You know what I mean? The that's the majority of the majority of my therapy sessions. It'd be about my upbringing. You know what I mean? Nothing bad about like about my mom, but just like my experience in general, right? In that, so I think us taking the approach of raising our kids the way that we're raising them now. We're really kind of, not to say they're never going to go through something or never going to feel something, but I think that we're really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're like, they're not going to have to experience what we experience. We're saving them from that certain 90s type of hurt. We're saving them from that traumatic event and experiences, you know what I mean, that we kind of are having to deal with now, even in our adulthood. Yeah. You know, like I said, just just the, just the things as simple of like what you said, like, you know, we put him in this. We put August in soccer. He didn't really like soccer, so we took him out. Then we got him in Boy Scouts. You know, you know that that was a little strange, so then we took him out of that, too. I think for the simple fact that we're at least putting them in these things to so where they're experiencing them. You know what I mean? Like I said, for at least my childhood, like, I didn't even get to experience some of those things. I didn't even get to see if I liked it or not. Um, so, you know, even just with that avenue, allowing them to just try different things, I think it's just not only opening up their minds and broadening their horizons, but it's giving them the practical of, you know, the practical aspect of just like, you know, I can try this, I can do this, I can do that, you know, and just gaining more knowledge. Yeah. Just experiences. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting, though, because they say kids are going to talk about you in therapy no matter what you do. Because it's so funny how kids find little things to complain about. You know what I mean? They find anything to complain about. You didn't give them the fruit snacks. Your voice was too loud. You, you know, you treated this kid differently. They felt like you treated them differently or whatever it is. And so, I don't know. It's Parenting is a is an uphill battle. But at the end, you know, we will have some successful, you know, well-rounded adults. And so, as a final question, what are your new, you're never going to do's? Do you have any new never going to do's? Like, as they're teenagers or as they're, uh, you know, going into preteenhood, you mm, know? I mean, one of my main never going to do's, which I, not necessarily my mom used to do this a lot, just not necessarily for my childhood, but... Like I said, I think this is another 90s mentality. Like, if my kids messed up or if they make a mistake, 
I'm never just I'm never gonna just punish them without any like explanation or without any conversation. Oh, that's a good never gonna do that. Yeah, good. because I think oftentimes, especially in our generation, like people messed up and they just got grounded or they just got beat and you know <laughs> for and saying and then being told that was wrong what you did instead of actually having a conversation like why did you do what that? What made you want to do that? You know what I mean? Like full disclosure. Um, for me, like I had a real problem as a kid where like I used to like steal a lot. I used to steal and like lie a lot and I would get in trouble for these things. But, you know, I never really got sat down and say like, what's making you want to steal? Like, why do you think you have to do that? Why do you think you have to lie? (laughs) You know what I mean? But things. And so that's really the difference. That's what I want to do. I don't want to just, you know, put a hammer down and it, that be it. Like, I want to try to talk to these things. I want them to express what they're feeling. I want us to have a conversation about it. You know what I mean? To where, you know, I get to the root of the situation or at least the heart of the situation of why my kid is doing this or why they're acting out in this way. You know, and who knows? That might turn an avenue of something being a one and done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, you know, they have a little bout of stun. I'll be like, why, what, what, what is making you want to do this? You know, oh, I, you know, I just felt like, you know, you know, we were on hard times and I really wanted to do this. And, you know, I, I just felt like this was the only way I needed to get it. Then I can have a conversation and be like, no, you just tell me what you want and we can work towards getting it or we can find a way or doing such and such. You never have to do that. You never have to put yourself in a jeopardizing situation to try to get something. You know, because I'm your father at the end of the day. I'm going to try to provide for you as best as I can, you know. And I don't want you to ever feel like you have to jeopardize yourself and your freedom or your livelihood just to attain something or, you know, try to fit in and be cool because just be yourself. You are who you are. My dad used to be like, listen, you need some money. I'll get you. He used to say, you always have $50 on you at all times. Uh (laughs) And so, you know, that's just so you, he could, you know, avoid the stealing and all that. But mine never going to do is, yours was so positive and nice. Mine was going to be, <laughs> I'm never letting my kids wear pajamas to school and house shoes. I think that that's absolutely crazy that these parents let their kids wear pajamas to school. Like, they literally are walking around in pajamas, and it's not pajama day. Like, you know? Hmm. I think that's absolutely crazy. Like, no. But why do you think it's crazy? That's crazy because <laughs> you're not supposed to wear pajamas to school. Pajamas are to sleep in. That's what oh. they're made for. That's what they're designed for. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's absolutely crazy that you would let kids wear pajamas to school because it's also set in a precedence that school is not a place to be taken seriously. School is a place to be taken very seriously. And when you wear pajamas to school, you're just saying, like, I'm just rolling out of bed and I'm just, huh. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's a good thing. I think that that's very lackadaisical. I think that when you go to school, you need to be focused, that you need to have a goal in mind, that you need to be focused on your learning. And so I just think that that's crazy that I literally see kids wearing pajamas and those are the kids that just don't care about nothing. Most of the time, those are usually the kids that are acting up in class. Those are usually the kids that, you know, they don't put forth effort in a lot of things. But those are also usually the kids whose parents are so busy that they don't pay attention to them. Mm. And so it's like a it's like a real thing for me. And so pajamas, the Crocs to school, no, like wear shoes to school. 
and then the like the scars to school like no no be presentable it's like doing that to work you can't wear pajamas to work you know i guess if you make your own company you could be like everybody's wearing pajamas i don't know yeah phil knight used to wear his tracksuit all the time tracksuits are different <laughs> than pajamas then he, he was not wearing his pajamas and then another never gonna do is we're really strict on their um on their technology time and so i don't see myself really letting up on my my controls on the technology you know i just think that that there's so many negative there's so many negative things about technology for kids and it outweighs the benefits and so you know we're sticking to our guns or i'm planning that we're sticking to our guns with the the amount of technology that we allow and the apps that we allow and all that kind of stuff you won't see our kids with phones until they like 14 yeah but yeah all right well that concludes our parenting segment all right well let's go ahead and get into our lifestyle segment um today i want to just talk about something that me and you have kind of like uh gravitated towards um something that's kind of overtaken us um and this squid game not the not the original squid game show that came out a couple years ago (laughs) That everybody was on. The game during show. The, yeah, during the pandemic. But the actual Squid Game challenge show. So this show's on Netflix right now. And it's actual real people. It's a real challenge of them <laughs> to get money. Um, but it's just so interesting. Because, you know, when we watched the actual Squid Game show when it came out. Like, it's scripted. You know what I mean? They're doing their best to tell that story and kind of show humanity within that within that film, within that being shot or whatnot. But it's a whole different world watching the Squid Game Challenge and seeing these real people go through like real emotions and like experience like real humanity. And I'm talking about to the point where like you got games going on and people have to make choices and people, grown men is sitting here breaking down and crying, you know what I mean, because of the stress of, like, what they got to do for with this game or, like, the choices they got to make. There's people crying because they picked up a phone and now the, they said, you you nap into the phone and you have the chance to eliminate three people. And now these people are just stressed out because they got to send three random people home that ain't going to get this $5 million or $4 million or whatever they're going for but bruh, you talk about being hooked. Like this yeah, show, we are totally this hooked. show got me hooked. Matter of fact, after we get done watching this podcast, there's a new episode up, and we gotta get and into we it. We gotta watch bed. it. Like you got, we, gotta we just have it. to. <laughs> we gotta um, get into it. But yeah, this is just this is a it's a really good show. Not and what I find very interesting about because you know me, I'm a I'm a cinephile and I'm a show buff too, and I felt like for a time when it came to reality like TV. Oh whatnot, like you know, first you first we started off with like the um, real world and like Survivor. Those are like the to me those are like the first iterations of like wow. Oh, and in American Idol, those are like the first iterations of like whoa, like this is real life TV, and you know like anything can happen. Wow, that was like the first iteration, right? Then it got a little bit like you know cleaned up. Then you had like the Flavor of Love era, when Flavor of Love came out, bruh. That was that was totally different, bruh. Yeah, <laughs> Flavor of Love birthed like 
pretty much on the back of Flavor of Love, you then you got I Love New York. You got Real Chance at Love. You got yeah. I Love Ray J. You got all these like love shows or whatnot, which like now we move into this era, the shows that are off the back of that would be like the Real Housewives of whatever or the, you know, Love and Hip Hop New York and things of that nature. Ah, what a beautiful time that was. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but I feel like within this period now, there's been a real stalemate in reality TV of like, you know, with these like love and hip hops and the, you know, Real Housewives of Potomac and, you know, you can even lump in like Selling Sunset and these Fixer Upper shows. I feel like they've kind of gotten like stale because, and what I mean by stale is that they continue to make more of these shows, but it's really the same show with just different people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, nothing's kind of, Nothing's you know, innovative. Yeah, no, nothing's innovative. I feel like this Squid Game Challenge game, I feel like this is now ushering, ushering in, like, a new era of reality TV because, again, like, this is kind of something, like, we've never seen before. I think another, like, good show example would be the, um, what was the show? What's the title of the show? The, not, was it Married at First Sight? Oh, yeah. And not love married at first, at first sight. sight. Yeah, love at first sight. Oh, and now where... Is it called love no, at first no, sight? No, that's not what it's called. No, no, it's called... Are you talking about the one with Nick... The, the one with Nick Lachey. It's on Netflix, too. But it's a show where, you know, you got couples that are on the verge of, like, getting married. Like, one person wants to get married. The other person's kind of on the, the fence. The ultimatum. The ultimatum. There we go. Yeah, I feel like shows like The Ultimatum and, like, this, this Squid Game Challenge game... I think they're now pushing the boundary of like what reality TV kind of looks like or just ushering in a new era of reality reality TV that's really engaging because like I said you're seeing situations where it's just like bruh like I don't know how I would have maneuvered that I don't know how I would have felt in that but you're getting to see these emotions and you know you're getting to just see people how they really are, which is which is interesting, especially the Squid Game stuff, because you got some people that just they was cold blooded. You know what's a good show is Fear Factor. Is that a reality show? Oh yeah, see, fear, yeah, Fear they Factor. Bring that back. Nah, they, see, Fear Factor. They've tried to bring back twice. Really? Um, once with they brought did you know start off with Joe Rogan, then they brought it back with Ludacris. What the at heck? one point in time? Then I think they tried to bring crazy. it back with John Cena. What? Would not. Why so, are they bringing ridiculous people? But you know, but the original feel, the original Fear Factor, that was that in was that pocket. Classic. Yeah, that was in that pocket of the Flavor of Love era of reality TV. Yeah, you know what I mean. So OG stuff. You know, before like the predecessor to that was. Did you ever used to watch Eliminate? Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and what was that the one with the smiley face? What was the one with the smiley? Oh, you talking about um. That was the first <sighs> shows. Yeah, now nah, y'all busting that. Oh, that the you talking about the was it the relationship game or the the love game? Something like that. Something but we like get that. The, we get yeah, the drift. But you get the gist. But anyway, yeah, man, just harping back on this Squid Game Challenge show. Um, it's a really good show, you know, and you know, not to get any spoil, not to give out any spoilers, but I mean, essentially, if it's it's following the pattern of the actual like Squid Game show, but there are twists, there are differences. And different things that happen within this new show, within the reality show. And yeah, it's just it's just some good stuff. That's good stuff. Yep, I'm in agreement. Yep. Well, all right. Well, we want to just thank you guys for tuning in again with us and just kicking it with us this week. Um, it has been another podcast episode. Also, um, a big, big, big announcement. 
Um, when you hear this podcast, the next following day, our book will officially be released. On Amazon. On Amazon. And so, you know, if you want to get into that sweet spot, I'm a, I'm there's gonna be a link on this episode to still pre-order the book if you want to pre-order it. But after today, it's only gonna be for today only. It's gonna be dead. Yeah, after, after today, today, once the book officially launches, that pre-order link is gonna be no more, and you won't be able to cash in on that discounted price and just a special touch of you know having it sent to you from the actual authors. Um, so go ahead and look in our description. Check out the link in the description to, uh, to pre-order our book, and then if you're listening to this in the future and that pre-order date has changed, you could go on Amazon and search our book. And it is called Where Dreams May Take You by Keontae and Kristen McDonald. By Kristen and Keontae McDonald. By Kristen I'm and the Keontae worst McDonald. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, but anyway, again, we just thank you guys for tuning in with us. Um, also in that description area, go ahead and check out the, you know, the song of the day. And, you know, of course, the TV show of the day will be Squid Game. So you should check that out. But um, yeah, again. I can't say, I can't even express how all the thank yous of the people who are already pre-ordered and just showed us so much support on this book. Yes, thank um, you so much. We love you guys so much. Yeah, yeah, it's been a real blessing and we can't wait to see, you know, what this book does once it goes live. Um, so again, um, until next time, um, we'll see you guys next week, same time, same place. You guys have a blessed week. You have a wonderful December month of December that's coming up in the end of the year. Um, just take advantage, take a grasp of everything that you want to do and everything that you want to be. You don't have to wait till New Year's to start a New Year's resolution or to start a new thing. You can start now. Um, but just like my wife said, look towards the future. Look for those goals. Start marking out your plans and what you want to do to be more ambitious, to be more successful, and to get what you want out of life. You better preach that sermon at the end. So, um, as always, we'll talk to you guys next week. God bless.